And absolute power corrupts absolutely. We're going to talk about power and the proper Christian use of power and how not to be corrupted by power. Because everybody on the slide, I just looked, showed you the scandal slide, was corrupted by power. They, it went to their heads. Jessica was joking about being from Minnesota, but we have a, a saying in Minnesota, don't get the big head now. Which, uh, yeah, you've heard, probably heard that. You, know, you do pretty good at something and say, you did okay, but I don't want you to get the big head. So we're going to talk about not getting the big head today, because it's the big head that causes these scandals. People get power, and power is intoxicating. What little power I've had in life, uh, it's kind of a rush, and you start thinking, whoa, I'm actually pretty cool. So today we're going to talk about the seventh and final signpost. There are seven signposts that are broken in our culture, and we need to restore them. And N.T. Wright has a fabulous Fabulous book out called Repairing Broken Signposts, and these signposts are justice, love, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power. Today we're talking about power. And the challenge with these broken signposts is this. None of them you can put in a test tube. None of them are scientific. Everybody says we have to follow the science, and there's nothing wrong with science. Science gives us facts from which to work with, but it doesn't give us any values. It doesn't give us any morals. It doesn't give us any ethics. It doesn't give us anything. If you just believe in science and not in anything spiritual, well, yeah, what's to keep you from stealing, from killing, from doing whatever you want? These are seven things which are the main themes of the Gospel of John. And we've been going through the Gospel of John in a big way, and I am just shocked at how many layers the Gospel of John has. We had a mine in the town I grew up in, the Bunker Hill Mine, and 3,000 people worked there at the smelter and at the mine. And I just saw a couple weeks ago, some guy made a 3D map of the tunnel system. And it goes, it's 100 years now, it goes for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles in all these different directions. And that's like the Gospel of John. There are all these incredible themes. You could look up any of these seven things in the Gospel of John and do a lifetime study on one of those seven. This book is so rich. I've known that the book of John is rich, but not this rich. It's absolutely beautiful. Repairing Broken Signposts. So to, today is part six. Part seven, actually. Part seven, which is power. And we're going to look at Pilate's power, Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator, his way of doing power, and Jesus' way of doing power. And they are two very distinct, very different ways to shape reality. And we are reality-shaping machines. I love every face in here right now, and believe it or not, you walking in this room shapes this room spiritually. You affect the system. And if you don't believe it, uh, ask a worship leader. Worship leaders see what's going on in the room, and when people walk in, it's, it makes a difference. I saw Christine walk in over there. I was watching from over there. I was uh, getting some of the broadcast stuff ready. And when she walked in the room, I'm sure that the room was affected by that. We are here to affect reality. God put us here to be gardeners. In the Garden of Eden, we're here to add value, to make things happen, to, to fix things, to, to take broken things and make them better, to take little things and make them more useful, to take raw materials and turn them into things that we can use, to take ore from the mountains like those mines and turn it into a microphone that can talk to people all over the world. 
That's what we do. And there's two different ways of doing that. If you want to affect the world, if you want to make a difference, if you want to die and say, I really did make a difference, there's two ways to do it. Pontius Pilate's way and Jesus' way. And we're going to go in-depth on both. Obviously, Pontius Pilate is not your role model. And Jesus is your role model. Let's turn to John 19, verses 10 and 11, if you would. Then Pilate said to him, and that's Jesus, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Pontius Pilate was drunk with power. Here he was, the Roman procurator. He could point at people and have them die. He's one of those kind of people. He's in charge. Doesn't have to be reelected. He's appointed by Caesar. And he doesn't have to worry what people think. So he is in charge, large and in charge. It's a big deal to be a Roman procurator. You make the decisions, life and death, all of that stuff. And you keep order and you make sure that the Jews there pay their taxes. That's his job. And if they don't, use force to make them pay the taxes. So Pontius Pilate comes across as the one with all the power. And Jesus looks like the, the poor little teacher who's uh, been handed over by his own people. Which of these two looks the most powerful at this point? And Pontius Pilate is reveling in it. I've got all the power and you don't. I could let you off like that, he says. I could just let you off. So why don't you grovel a little bit? Little did he know who he's talking to. Verse 11. This is an answer that Pilate didn't expect. Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. You you don't have any power that wasn't given to you. There's only one source of power. By the way, you're misusing it. But you don't have anything on your own. You got nothing. You got nothing on me. You can't do anything to me that really matters. There's two paths to power. One is the path of coercion, using force, making people do things. And the other one is the path of service helping people, doing things for people, serving your customers, making things better for others. Both are a path to power. One is counterfeit, one is genuine. They both work, but the first one only works for a little while because it can't be maintained. Just try raising kids with the coercion model. Good luck. Now, you have to use a little bit of force with young kids. You've got to keep them from you know, running across the street. You have to grab their arm. You can't let them touch the, the, the burner on the stove, although we went, went to a garage sale in, in uh, the desert, and there was a mom there smoking a cigarette and uh, a baby walking around in diapers like a toddler and uh, sticking his finger in a fan, and the mom said, uh, we were trying to warn the mom, and the mom says, well, he'll only do it once, you know, that kind of thing. So, so there are you know, more hands-off parents, but... But, but coercion doesn't work long-term with your kids. There comes a point where they're going to leave home and you have no power over them. After about age 15, good luck, because they're out doing what they're doing. Coercion works short-term, is terrible long-term. In fact, people resent being coerced, and so they generally get back at you in some way, shape, or form. And they will use revenge or something to, to do something. So... Pilate's using this coercion model. And what happens around the world right now? There's a, there's a coup in Myanmar, if you've been watching the news, and the military has taken over. And the people aren't having it. They're just not having it right now. They're showing up in the streets. They're saying, no, you just can't take over without asking us. This doesn't work. 
And you get a certain amount of people doing that, and guess what? The, the military is going to have to give up at some point because they can't do this long term. You can't run a dictatorship long term. All dictatorships are short term. They don't go on forever because it's impossible to maintain coercion long term. People get resentful and people get bitter and they get, you know, the whole thing. Jesus says, I am among you as one who serves. The path to greatness is service. On the left on the screen, we have two people who are using force. Uh, Putin claims to have an 85% approval rating. I don't think that's probably true, but uh, he has a lot of power and he keeps changing the constitution to keep himself in power. Kim Jong-un, same thing. Leads with an iron. Who thinks that that can't go on forever? There comes a point where this is going to go down, and it will go down because you can't maintain coercion forever. In North Korea, they put hundreds of thousand people in concentration camps if they say no. Well, how do you maintain that long term? How do you keep all of the good ideas out of the country? How do you keep people from thinking on their own? You can't do it forever. On the right, you've got people who serve people. Elon Musk creates better electric cars, creates rockets that are one-tenth as expensive as the other ones, tries to figure out ways to, to burrow through the ground to help with traffic. He's always coming up with things to make people's lives better, and he's now the richest man in the world. I saw a tweet from him. Somebody said, do you know that you're the richest man in the world? And he tweeted back, that's strange. Well, back to work. <laughs> he's, he's absolutely obsessed with doing things that, that work better. If you would have told me 20 years ago that we'd have rockets that land back on the place where they took off and get used again, it, it, people weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. And so he's doing it now, and all of a sudden this whole space thing's exploding. Steve Jobs, kind of a weird character, confirmed Lutheran, by the way, growing up. But uh, anyway, Steve Jobs decided you could replace about 17 things in your house with one little thing you put in your pocket. And next thing you know, we have Apple. You've got... I mean, People, we complain about our cell phones, but imagine life without one. I mean, it's replaced your tape recorder, your video recorder, your alarm clock, your everything. That's adding value. That's how that works. Who here remembers mimeographs? Most of you aren't old enough. I remember mimeographs with the blue ink and the whole thing. Well, there, there, there was a guy up in Seattle who started Microsoft. You might have heard of him, Bill Gates, decided we're going to do word processing differently. and We're going to create software where you can go back and change it before you print it, which has saved the lives of people. Who, who, who This is adding a lot of value. I remember doing my, my, my papers in college on a, on a little electric typewriter, and You'd be really tired because it's 2 in the morning, your paper's due the next day, and you get like halfway through a sentence and it makes no sense. You think, how can I make sense out of this sentence by the time I get to a period? Because I don't want to redo the whole page. And you did the best, you did backflips to try to make the whole sentence make sense by the end because you didn't want to start over. And, you know, the folks at Microsoft fixed that for us. I had a friend, Dave Bullock, he might be watching this. Probably is. Dave Bullock worked for Microsoft. He says, I'm working in voice recognition. I said to him, like, that's going to work. <laughs> I kind of, what do you know about languages? You know, and he, he was one of the guys who put together their ability to, now we ask Alexa everything. You know? When did so-and-so die? If we're watching a TV show and that person's not alive anymore, you know, when did, you know, is, when did Sean Connery die? 
Alexa tells us, you know, because people added value. And guess what? They get rewarded. There's two paths to power. There's service and adding value, and there's coercion. Which would be the one that Jesus would have us do? John 18, 36. This is really key. If you hear nothing else today, watch this slide. You've seen all of these kind of flashy, sort of tattoo-y looking things. N-O-T-W, not of this world. It looks cool. It's a really bad translation, and here's why. And it's really important, really, really important. I want to help you with what the monks did to us. In the Middle Ages, the monasteries kept civilization alive. They kept literacy alive. They copied the Bible over and over so that we have it. We wouldn't have it if it wasn't for the monks. But they saw everything through a monastic filter. They were not worldly people. They were retreat from the world people and put up a wall around the monastery. And don't take part in family life. Don't have a family. Don't take part in the marketplace. And don't get involved in the world out there. And that comes across in the translation. The best translation is, my kingdom is not from this world. What does that sign say above the door? Exit. comes from the Greek word ek. Ek to cosmu, out of. Exit is to go out. My kingdom doesn't have its source in this world. But listen to this. My kingdom is for this world. My kingdom is not just otherworldly, woo, you know, just kind of a bunch of woo stuff. God's kingdom comes from heaven, but it's for us here. It's for the earth. It's for healing here. It's for salvation here. It's for justice here. It's for all of those signposts here. Jesus put that right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The source is heaven. The goal is earth. And until earth looks like heaven, we've got work to do. And the folks up at Bethel, if you're familiar with those folks, really get this. They've done a lot of work on this topic, bringing heaven down to earth, because that is, that's, that's the kingdom. That's what it's about. And this not of this world thing is like, oh, I don't belong here. My citizenship's somewhere else. I'm just passing through. This, is, this world is disposable. This world is not disposable. This world is transformable. And it's going to be hard. And there's going to be tribulation. And there's going to be nasty stuff. And the coercion people aren't going to like it. But guess what? We win in the end. And we win in the end of the book of Revelation, not with coercion, but with, of all things, lamb power. The lamb is the, is the main character of the book of Revelation. And the lamb is victorious. Nike, the, that's your tennis shoes. The, the lamb is victorious. I remember at Edison Park Lutheran Church, there's a picture of the lamb on this this uh, gigantic stained glass window behind the altar. And underneath it says Nike. Victory. Victory is through the Lamb. It's not through Caesar. Because Caesar never wins in the end. The dictators always get pulled out, dead. I mean, Hitler dies in a bunker. Stalin has a heart attack. It, it, it doesn't last. And it can't last. This kingdom is from somewhere else. It's from heaven. It, it comes out of somewhere else, but it is for here. And when we just translate it not of this world, it's like, I don't belong here. Whatever happens here doesn't matter. Folks, that's Buddhism. That's not Christianity. I'm not knocking Buddhists, please. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm just saying that's an escape religion. 
world is suffering, we get out. That's the whole message of Buddhism. The Christian message is, the world is broken, God is going to heal it. And whatever's broken in your life, what did, what did uh, Jessica say this morning? Who needs a miracle? In this world. In this world. Peter didn't get it. In the garden, what does he do? He draws the sword. I'm going to fight coercion with coercion. And in the Gospel of John is the most lengthy, the most lengthy version of this where he even names the, the, the person who got his ear cut off, Malthus. Because John wants to make it really clear to us that this is not how you handle power. You don't go cutting somebody's ear off to, to make this. This is not how you do it, Peter. This is not how it's done. This is not how we generate power. We generate power through the cross. We generate power through service. We generate power through helping people. We generate power by making better phones and making better word processors and, and cleaning up and volunteering and helping out and doing things for people. When Bill goes down and helps out with homeless people on Christmas, when we do those kind of things, and Bill hates it when I mention those things, but I had to do it as an example. It's, it's, that's what makes the difference. That's what generates power. Power is in helping and serving. And that has to do in the business world, too. The richest people in this country are college dropouts who didn't play the hierarchy game and decided they were going to do big stuff for people that will help and save people's time and save people's money. And they're bazillionaires now. And that happens when we do those things. I got very confused watching the Lord of the Rings movies because there's all these people on towers yelling at each other and all these ugly people running around fighting. But anyways, there's this ring that has power. And the whole series is about power. And the beautiful thing is when the main characters understand that it's not by hanging on to this power, but it's letting go of this power that they have power. They hold it loosely. And they don't try to hang into it and, and, and have it and keep it from other people. They're not stingy with it. They share power. People who share power get power. That's how that works. And Jesus says, hey, I got power, but I can give it away anytime. John 10, 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. That's power. You want power over your life? Be willing to lay it down. Be willing to let it go. And I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. John 1, 22, we get this power too. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power, exousia. There's the word ek again. The power that comes from God up through us. The power, the authority to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. And we look at this verse and says, oh, hey, if we say yes to Jesus, then we get to be Christians. And we forget that he gives us also power. Power that comes from him. And we can operate in his Power. Jesus didn't use power to show off, to try to prove who he was. Jesus used his power to teach us how to use power. He sent them out two by two, said, go do these powerful things. Raise the dead, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom is near. That that's how power is generated. That's how those things work. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I, the shepherd, 
Chapter 10 is all about the good shepherd. I come that they might have life and have it to the full. If you increase the joy in someone's life, that power flows through you to them, and you get to, you get to celebrate that. My favorite conversion story, I get to pray with people to receive Jesus all the time. It's one of the blessings of being a pastor. And I've probably shared this story lots of times, but Brian Weir, who's planting a church for us in Edmonton, I prayed with him to get filled with the Holy Spirit 20, 25 years ago. And I have never been more blessed in my life than the glow I got when the Holy Spirit came through me and just absolutely blew his mind. And I said, Brian, what's going on? I asked him, we asked the Holy Spirit to come, and the Holy Spirit came, and he just, I said, Brian, what's going on? He says, I says, well, can you move? Can you break? I can't move. I said, okay. But I felt the power of the Holy Spirit coming through me. When you serve other people, you feel the Holy Spirit too. Jessica, when you're operating the anointing up here, it blesses you when you see other people getting blessed. And that's the joy and that's the power that grows. The power of God multiplies when you share it. And it might just be smiling at somebody in the grocery line. Who here has had a bad, really bad day and you just wish somebody would smile at you? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows who needs that right now? You know? John 10.10, shepherd power or thief power? Which do you want? The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and to coerce, and to make, and to force. Stealing and killing is using force, coercion. But I come to raise the level of life. We want to see life in places. The book of Revelation, there's Caesar power embodied by the beast, and there's lamb power. Who wins at the end of the book of Revelation? Not Caesar. Not Caesar. Folks, the whole storyline of the Old Testament, the Pharaoh ends up at the bottom of the Red Sea. The oppressor must die, and the oppressor will die, and the people of Israel will go free. And we get tempted to follow this path of, of coercion. If we just play that game and start you know, attracting power and talking other people down and, and trying to cozy up to the right people. When the apostles said to Jesus, who gets to sit at your right hand and left hand? You know, they're, they're kind of pushing for that spot. Do you ever notice how many people are running for president nowadays? It used to be three or four. Now it's like 15, 16 people, the debating thing all the way across because everybody wants this power. I would love to elect someone who says, you know, I'd probably be pretty good at it, but I really don't want what comes with that job. Wouldn't that be cool? We could all vote for a person like that. Verse 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And I think that Tamara raised this in the prayer meeting. Or maybe it was Jessica up here. I don't know, one of the two of you. Greater things than these you will do. Jesus wants to give his power away to us, to operate in it, to operate in it. He wants us to operate in the power, not coercive power, kingdom power, lamb power, shepherd power, the real power that lasts. Some practicalities. I'm going to invite uh, Jessica back up here. Don't be afraid of power. Don't be afraid to operate in power. 
don't be afraid to get out there and operate in the kind of power that Jesus has. Number two, be mindful of the power, authority, responsibility balance. The church I worked at in Minnesota went from seven employees to 105. And so they sent me off to HR school because I had to kind of put together an HR system. And I asked the teacher, I said this to you many times before, at the end I said, what's the one thing I need to know about this whole class I just took? And he said this, every HR problem results from an imbalance of authority and responsibility. You can't give people responsibility for something without giving them the authority to decide how to do it. If you give someone responsibility without the authority to do what he or she needs to do in that job to make it happen, there's going to be trouble. There has to be a balance there. And one of the best ways to move forward in life is to volunteer for things and take responsibility. And guess what? People will start giving you authority. For the last thousand years, the path to more social status has been two things in Western culture, the military and the church. And those are the two places where you can volunteer. And most people don't want to in either place. But the people who do move into leadership. My dad had great parents. My dad was my dad's dad was a, a contractor, and my dad's mom was the gentlest, most wonderful, faith-filled person you've ever seen. But status, not so much in that family. What did my dad do? Joined the Coast Guard Reserve and started volunteering in church. Graduated with a master's degree. Died at a different status level. Why? Because he stepped forward and did things and took responsibility for things and ended up in a whole different level of status than the rest of the family he came out of. And that's how that he gave birth to a kid who graduated with a, went to school forever, has all kinds of privilege. Why? Because he took responsibility, stepped forward, volunteered. And yes, this is a little bit of a talk to invite people to volunteer at the well. But anyways... If you want more authority, take more responsibility. That's the way of service. That's the way of volunteering. That's the way things work. Never think the rules stop applying to you when you get power. Remember that group of pictures I showed at the beginning? Every one of them thinks the rules don't apply to me anymore. Rabbi Zacharias said, I thought these women were a reward to me for all the good I did for the kingdom. I mean, he started to think that the power, the rules don't apply to you and wrecked now the reputation of an outstanding ministry. Don't ever think the rules don't apply to you just because you've... Because if you start volunteering, you will rise in status. Just remember where you came from. And remember that those values apply to everybody. Who thinks that our leaders should be held to the same standards that we are? Who thinks they're not? They're really, they, it's a whole different set of rules up there because they've got this little club until we catch them. Be willing to let go of the ring. Be willing to let go of that ring from the Lord of the Rings thing. Be willing to let go of authority from time to time. This is really hard for church leaders. It's really hard to step down and do something else that the church needs you to do because you've had this position. Do you remember Jim Marmion? 
he's had that wisdom. He says, we, we had somebody who was slacking in her volunteer job, and it was a really important one. And I asked her to step down, and she got really upset. And Jim said to me, you know, I've been in my ch- the church my whole life in leadership, and the hardest thing is for people to step down and do something else. When they're all burned out at what they're doing, there comes a time where you step down and do something else. Let go of power once in a while and find a different find a different way to serve. So thank you, Jim Marmion, wherever you are. That was a good point. Generate fresh power by serving others. We already talked about that. Keep your relational circuits open. If you want to serve others, you have to trust other people. If you're always looking for a threat out there, you're always going to be, your life is going to be smaller and smaller. And you're not going to want to get out and help anybody because it's dangerous out there. Keep your relational circuits open. The best salespeople I know trust people immediately and only write them off if they turn on them. Trust people immediately. Don't go with suspicion around everybody you meet. So those are the signposts. Justice, love, spirituality, beauty, freedom, truth, and power. And here's the good news at the end. You might wonder why the Gospel of John talks so much about Peter and the sword, more than the other Gospels. Because at the end of the Gospel, the only place where it shows where Jesus calls Peter over. You know what you did back there in the garden? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Put away the sword and go back to service. Put away the coercion. Go back to shepherding. Put away the force and get your power from the Lamb. No matter how badly you've messed up, and you and I will mess up, because when we get power, we're going to mess up. When we do, remember Jesus is going to come back around for you and say, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Get back to service. And you say, well, that's not the way people become important and famous. Let me close with this story. The greatest city in the world for hundreds of years was Rome. A million people lived there. Hot and cold, running water, nursing homes, pension plans, first world country, average life expectancy, 70. This was the place to be. Lots of emperors. And when I was in history, I had to learn which emperor came after which, and I've totally forgotten that. Because they're forgettable people. They're coercive people. They're forced people. They'd kill their own families to make sure they stayed in power. The two most influential people in history, and you can ask any non-Christian historian, the two most influential people ever to walk down the main street, the Via Sacra in Rome. One was a young monk named Martin Luther. Nobody paid attention to him. This was before the Reformation. And the other one was a prisoner named Paul. And Nero was in charge. And Nero was large and in charge. And everybody, Nero's got the power, Paul's the... Paul's the captive. But now, in the year 2021, people name their dogs Nero. 
and their sons, Paul. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for kingdom power, for lamb power, for service, for adding value. Lord, we give you thanks for people who may not even know you who get this. And Lord, there's a lot of a lot of coercion out there in the world right now, a lot of rules, a lot of people trying to push people around and win votes so they can push the other people around who lose votes and use the force of the state to enforce their point of view. It's never going to last, Lord. But your son's power continues to flow through the world and change lives. Lord, we all want to change the world a little bit. We want to affect things. We want our lives to mean something. And we're so tempted to climb the world's ladder of power. Nobody even noticed Martin Luther and Paul, but no emperor, no soldier, no general affected the world as much as those two men. So, Lord, help us to affect things in kingdom terms. And give us an opportunity an opportunity this week to serve somebody and put a smile on someone's face. And help us to enjoy sharing that power. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, I 
Pause this if you don't have your bread and cup, and you can go ahead and get that and then start it up again. But for the rest of us who are here live, just invite you to take the bread. You just sort of peel the top thing off there if you were here with us in the chapel. And the world's got all kinds of power drink this and energy drink that, and Red Bull gives you wings and all this stuff. And and the truth is, that's all artificial. Simple bread from Jesus, the bread of life. Amen. The bread of service. The bread of being willing to break himself. You broke the bread and shared it with people. It's through breaking ourselves that the power flows. Breaking our ego, our flesh. So let's all take the bread together and let's eat together. And Lord, this is just such a simple bite of bread. But power is a simple thing, Lord. And it comes from service. But sometimes, Lord, we've been tempted to go the way of the world and gossip about people so we can get ahead of them or play the corporate politics, office politics game or feel threatened by others who are more gifted than we are. Perhaps we should step aside and do something different. And Lord, for that, you give us the cup. For you say, this cup is for the forgiveness of sin. And with this blood, the blood of your Son, Lord, which this represents, 
We ask you to wash away any ambition on our part to play that world's game, to be Caesar, to be Pilate, to be Kim Jong-un, to coerce people, to force people, and instead take the path of the Lamb. So we pray, Lord, that this would cleanse us of that so we can have a fresh start today, and let's drink this together. Now, if you'll stand and receive a blessing. Just repeat after me. Jesus, you say that greater things I will do if I walk in the path of servanthood. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray a blessing over everybody who chooses this path. The way of the Lamb, the way of the Shepherd, the joy bringers, the healers, the ones who make a true and lasting difference. Bless them with your power. You've promised it to them. Now give it to them in a big way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said amen. Have a great week, everybody. Follow us every day on YouTube. a Minnesota term if I've ever heard one. Woofta. Don't you know? We good? Okay.